announcement from the Reserve Bank is concerned. I'm joined by Kanyisile Malebe, investment analyst at 274 Investment Managers. Kanyisile, good evening to you. Welcome. I saw Good evening to you. I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. Um, and I certainly hope you've been well as well. That big piece of news today that uh, many of us can't avoid, uh, that's certainly going to change, uh, yeah, credit conditions in the economy and maybe... This is the repo rate to 5.5%. And um, this beats the 75 basis point beats the um, economist consensus. And uh, economists on Reuters were expecting a 50 basis point rise, um, 19 of them, in fact, out of the 23 who were celebrated to be expecting a 50 basis point. So this is quite um, a shock to also not immune to um, such conditions in South Africa. As you would know, yesterday we saw our inflation print. Headline inflation was 7.4%, which is quite high. Um, And we are slowly seeing um, economic growth flowing due to many factors, the COVID and floods, the persistent load shedding we get from ESCOM. So um, the 75 basis points really is to protect the economy of South Africa um, in terms of trying to curb the inflation um, to get it back to you know, the normal target range of the South African Reserve Bank, which is around 3% to 6%. And uh, we it's also trying to protect the RAND um, because it's keeps on getting weaker as as a central bank like the US Fed uh, continue to hike rates aggressively in, in order to curb inflation. And you know, Kanye I mean, it's quite interesting um, what the Monetary Policy Committee statement lists as some of the things that are contributing to this. Um, some of them are very external. Some of them, of course, are what economists would see as internal or endogenous in some cases. Um, and let me m- maybe just list some of you. I think you've spoken about the floods. You've spoken about the impact of load shedding. Um, but the governor also spoke, I guess, to sort of weak public investment, um, expecting some recovery from tourism, hospitality and construction. But uh, all of the other risks are seemingly still there. Commodity prices, oil price set to hover around that 100 rand mark right through to 2023 mm-hmm. or so. Um, there's also an expectation that 10-year bond yields, as steep as they are, uh, will continue to rise. Um, Electricity prices set to rise. Um, It just doesn't look good. It seems there's so much uh, that's facing not only consumers and firms that uh, is certainly going to make things a lot gloomier, I mean, let alone what's happening in so far as food prices and what people are paying at the stores. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. Um, I mean, one of the things that was stated in the statement is that this year's economy is expected to grow from the support that you mentioned, you know, from tourism, hospitality, construction, as well as household spending. However, the overall um, uh, GDP for the economy is expected to be 1.3 in 2023 and 1.5 in 2022, which is quite low. Um, Growth for the third and fourth quarters is also forecasted to be 0.7% 0.7% and 0.4% respectively. Um, so there is um, not much expected from the SA con- economy according to the forecast of the Reserve Bank, unfortunately. It's a gloomy picture, like to say, Ayabonga. And I guess only, I mean, only time will tell um, because in many ways, a lot of what uh, they talk about here, where they expect inflation to be, 
Um, and I think, you know, in as much as I might uh, as often uh, disagree with how severe uh, the medicine was this time around. I think a lot of people were expecting, uh, you know, rates to uh, increase somewhat. Uh, I was part of a survey and indicated there 25 basis points uh, is what I would potentially like, but probably expecting it to come in at around 50 basis points. How many people in the market were expecting this 75? I'm also shocked that one member of the MPC uh, had come in apparently at around a full percentage point or 100 basis points. Yeah, it's shocking. Um, as we spoke to uh, many people around our business, many people were actually expecting a 50 basis point, I wanted to be honest. This 75% is a market shocker, like I said. Um, and it's also shocking that, um, you know, three members of the committee preferred the 75 basis point. So it was expected among them. And the one member, like you say, voted for 100 basis points, and there was only one member who was optimistic like us, who who had a 50 basis points increase uh, vote. So it was really not expected. But um, in terms of achieving, uh, you know, the target rate of inflation that the South African Reserve Bank um, aims to achieve, um, through, you know, stabilizing inflation expectations and also um, sending a firm message that they are going to hit the inflation target by 2024. So the governor is um, saying that achieving things like a prudent public debt level and increasing the supply of energy as well as moderating administered price inflation as well as keeping the wage growth in line with productivity gains would enhance the picture of the SA economy. And then if we shift slightly, I guess, away from that particular story, I mean, we'll be taking a look at it in the next few minutes or so with the SABC's economics editor, uh, making sense of that and what it's all going to mean for firms and households alike. Um, But um, yeah, I saw some interesting other developments. And let's maybe start off in the trade union movement and we'll come back to some company news in the telecoms and in the mining sector. Um, 50 effective yeah, officials of the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa set to be banned from their own Congress, uh, which is coming up in the next week or so, I understand. Well, what's happening here? Yes, so what's happening here is that there are 31 members that were suspended last week, which form part of the 50 officials that have been from attending the conference that's taking place next week in Cape Town. And um, of those 31, there is um, Ruth Nkokeswes, who is an elected member of the Lumsa Umbrella Federation, which is the South African Federation of Trade Unions, also known as SAFTU. Then Meshu was elected as the president of SAFTU, and she's also the deputy president of Lumsa. But we'll come back to, to Ruth shortly. With the uh, the other 26 union soft stewards who are subjected to the union's disciplinary proceedings. Um, so those form the part of the 50 officials that were banned from the Cape Town Conference. And the story is that um, there were there were protests that were done in the soft conference that took place um, on the 11th or, or the 11th and the 12th of July, and the Central Central Committee has decided to take this 
disciplinary action against people who interrupted that conference um, because those people were protesting against the decision to instill disciplinary measures to five members that were suspended. And now the union is saying it's banning these people because it does not want to have the risk of having similar disruptions which will be costly to the union and to the union and its members if the Congress actually some collapses. And I mean, I guess in the bigger scheme of things, what does this mean? I mean, this is South Africa's largest trade union by membership. Um, of course, it's um, not part of a federation that is the largest. Um, but I think, you know, if there's anything, I mean, by membership alone, one of the largest present in many sectors to, to see this kind of thing. I mean, what's what's the implication? I'm not too sure, but I think um, this this really... It it really leads people to to you know question the the, the what's this, the ethics of the people who are part of this organization. I mean, the, the president of the Saku uh, is now contesting to the position of being the Munza president, and she said she is aware that a person of the name Mark Shabalala is mm. also elected. Um, you see, you know, they are pro- they are going to contest for the same position, and it will be, you know, questionable, you know, in terms of the values of the the union when such things happen yeah. and there are no consequences. Yeah, yeah, and then. Let's head to company news, uh, and I want us to maybe start out in the platinum sector. A PGM player, Anglo-American, uh, I guess coming out with a operating and production update here. Production seemingly slower for the quarter in question. Uh, this on the back, of course, of uh, routine maintenance, but also uh, the mining of um, you know less voluminous ore bodies out in uh, the platinum belt. Uh, what do you make of this, I guess, in the context of uh, what we've seen in the last 18 to 24 months of record level basket prices for platinum group metals? Yes, so with regards to um, the, the production report received today, um, I must say it, was, it must be quite disappointing to see the decrease in production, but it's also understandable considering the volatility you see, especially in the PPM prices. Um, in the market. So the total production for the um, Anglo-American platinum group decreased by 2%, um, and this is huge compared to the Q1 number, which was um, an increase of 8%. So um, the owner-managed mines, also, they decreased by 2%, and this is mainly due to the a couple of mines that um, the manager owns. So one of them would be Mukhalagwena, which decreased production by 15%. And this is largely due to the anticipated reduction in the 4E build-up head grade that they are planning. So this is within the mine plan of this, this mine um, to, to mine a lower grade area. Mm. And um, Another, the, another mine that affected the production uh, 
which was the amount of votes, but that was like a marginal decrease of 1%, and that was due to a closure of the Tunela Upper Conventional up infrastructure that, were, that are reaching their end of life, in this, that reached their end of life in December 2021. Um, and we also saw increased uh, production in two of the minor-owned productions, uh, which are Modelo PGM, which increased by 26%. Um, you see the completion of the contractor bottleneck project. And there's also the NTPGM production, which increased by 38%, which is quite huge. And it's also benefiting from the bottlenecking project that was completed in Q4 2021. And then maybe just as we shift from the PGM sector out to the telecom sector, Vodacom put out a trading update today um, and um, relatively okay showing in their main market, which is South Africa. International operations growing by double digits there. Um, and they're still saying they're going to focus on financial services. And uh, yeah, by volume, Mpesa still leading the charge. I'm quite interested also, um, you know, in, in your thoughts, Kanye on those international operations, um, both Mpesa, but also Safaricom as well. Yes, so Vodacom has an interesting story in terms of uh, the international business. Um, so they are seeing a uh, huge growth with regards to their Indesa products. Um, so they are increasing more of the fintech. They are focusing on increasing their fintech part. And um, so they are also acquiring a 55% stake in the Vodafone Egypt that is expected to receive um, Egyptian regulatory approval in the region. Um, and they're also expecting to, to um, conclude their safari, safari community business. Um, it's making excellent progress currently, and it's going to launch um, Africa's second largest, um, it's going to launch in Africa's second largest country by population. Um, so there's a huge expansion in, in the international business of Vodacom that's happening. But there's also some expansion with regards to the South African business. Mm. As you know, Ayabonga, um, they are currently acquiring a 30% stake in CIVH Fibers Assets. Yes. They are increasing their fiber footprint um, in that regard. And then, I mean, just um, if one takes a look, uh, in addition to one, that acquisition, they also, uh, as you as you said, I guess the Egyptian operations waiting for an approval there of the uh, acquisition of a 55% stake in Vodafone Egypt. But um, I'm interested in this Ethiopia story because it seems they're still very much in early days in what is the second most populous consumer market on the continent um, and uh, a market that is set for the first time to have more than one telecoms player. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, saying they're going to start in uh, the city of Diradawa and then um, add 24 other cities, including the capital Addis Ababa. Yeah, that just means exponential growth for Vodacom here, Ayabonga, because they've, they've targeted a very a large population, like I said, and this means this is there's going to be... Um, more digital, a more double-digit growth from the international business if things you know play out very well in the Ethiopian um, segment. And 
yeah, it's it's very it's very impressive considering how um you know most telecom platforms, but MTN for example would struggle when it comes to their international business, especially due to regulatory issues. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how this safari economy in Ethiopia plays out. Kanyisile, we'll have to leave it there for tonight. Always a pleasure catching up with you and thank you very much for your time. Thank you.